Man, there's some joy in this place. I think it's because we're ending our 21 days of fasting today. <laughs> it's just overflowing with joy and energy and smiles everywhere. I love it. Well, my name is Pastor Pradeepan, one of the pastors here at Kalos Church. So excited that you're all here. If it's your first time, just want to let you know that we are excited that you're here. We believe that God has a plan for your life as we worship together and get to know one another. And uh, we are concluding our our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Many of, us, many of us have been doing like Daniel fast or not eating any food or doing social media fast. So who's been excited for this day to finally come? Can we give Jesus a round of applause that we are here, we've done it. And uh, so tonight I'm excited because we're doing what we're calling the Kalos Unveil. First time we've ever done this and we are uh, taking over the Bellevue Youth Theater and we're gonna worship and pray together and eat pizza together. We're going to have some merchandise that we can represent Kalos with. We're going to reveal our brand new small groups. Who's excited for that? And uh, some exciting things on the horizon. And uh, I'm excited. So make that a priority tonight. Tonight at 7 o'clock at the Bellevue Youth Theater, where we can just uh, press forward together as Kalos Church. I'm so excited about that. But today, I'm going to give you the final tool of uh, prayer and fasting for us to use during this season. I'm really excited about this message. We've talked about why do we fast, because we want to disconnect from the world with fasting, and prayer connects us to God. We've talked about how prayer, a prayerful life is a powerful life, a great message from Pastor Amrita. Last week, we talked about how we can fight lies and the fake news of attacks on our mind. We can fight fake news with the good news of God's gospel. And today, I'm going to introduce a brand new tool. And so if you could turn to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read a few sections from this. And Jesus says this, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Moving on to verse 16, Jesus says this, And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face then no one will notice that you are fasting, except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Dear Father, I pray that you would bless the scripture to our hearing and that we would be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. In this scripture... Jesus talks about getting away, praying by yourself, and when you're fasting, not doing it for the applause of anybody or for the attention of anybody. He talks about getting away by yourself, going alone, doing this between you and God. I feel like my best thinking 
is done when I'm alone. When I'm in the shower, I get some amazing revelations. Anybody with me? I get my best thoughts. I'm winning arguments with that person I wanted. I lost the argument with last week. I am just so smooth and suave and articulate and intelligent. It's awesome. I do my best thinking in the shower. And so I do something that's become kind of a joke amongst our community uh, of friends, and I do what is called the executive workout about once a week, and uh, the executive workout is this. You can steal this. So I have a membership at LA Fitness. Anybody with me? LA Fitness. I go to LA Fitness. They have child care. It's awesome. And I, I will check my son in, Obi, and then I'll go to the hot tub. Well, I, man, you really feel the burn in that kind of exercise. And so I go into the hot tub and I'll sit there. I do some thinking. I do some people watching. It is awesome. But then I step up my workout quite a bit and I go to what I call the cold tub, which is, as layman would call it, a pool. And I will just soak in there and I think and sometimes I pretend like I'm dead. I don't know if that's weird, but I'll just float. And it's exciting, it's awesome. And then I, I, I take it up another level and I go into the sauna, which is a hot room where there's some steam. And I sit in there in the dark and in the heat and I just think and I sometimes pray and I sometimes just create these amazing ideas and it's awesome. And I'm in these times of silence and solitude and I love it. To be honest, I've been at LA Fitness for almost a year now here in Bellevue, and to God be the glory, I have never used one piece of their workout equipment. <laughs> Can we give God a round of applause at this place? Come on, a little bit louder. A little bit louder, that's hard to do. That is hard to do. And I, I had these times of executive workout, and I, I, they're sacred to me, and I protect them. And when I, I'm stressed, and I feel like I'm busy, and I want to get away, that's like my safe spot. That's my safe place. Uh, last week, I got pretty frustrated in there, because I'm sitting in the sauna with a bunch of dudes, and we're hanging out, complete silence. We're just kind of awkwardly looking at each other, or trying to pretend like we don't see each other. Just a bunch of guys in towels. It's awesome. And uh, sitting in there, and uh, this guy comes in, he's super ripped, he's buff, and he has these huge headphones on, and he is blasting music. And he comes in, and we can all hear every lyric. I'm not going to repeat some of the lyrics. I can hear every beat. And we're like, you're ruining our space. You're invading our space, our special space. Do you know how many ideas I could come up with now? I'm he hearing your beat, I'm hearing your lyrics, like how loud is it in your headphones? Have you ever encountered someone like that? You're like, if I can hear your music loud, what is going on in your head? You are deaf, you are hurting yourself, this is not okay. And we're listening to this and it's like we're being bombarded with all this noise and all this racket and I can't focus and the safe place which was something I was really looking forward to because of the noise that invaded I suddenly was getting frustrated in our lives I feel like that happens to us all the time we're trying to find peace or quiet and we're trying to find rest in our soul but there are distractions and noise that bombard us all the time in fact there are businesses that are paid billions of dollars to distract you 
to get into your thoughts, to make you wonder what is going on on Facebook or Instagram. So excited about a new notification. I wonder who's emailed me today. Did I get any texts? And we are in an age where distraction and being distracted is the norm, amen? And sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to find some peace and quiet. It's hard to get alone. We are in an attention community. This is going to make me look pretty old, but I remember a day when people used to get bored. It was a day before cell phones. Young people, you may not remember this, but there was a day before 2007 where iPhones didn't even exist. <gasps> Flip phones existed. And we can't even imagine living without something that didn't even exist around 10 years ago. Because we live in a distracted environment, a distracted culture. We live in an attention economy. And what's happening is our attention spans in America right now, this is crazy, our attention spans are about eight seconds. That's how long we can focus on something because we're constantly bombarded with these messages and distractions and we feel guilty if we're not doing something. We feel dumb if we're not doing something. And so we fill our schedules up with distractions. We're constantly looking at our phones as habits and what's happening is as our schedules are getting fuller and fuller and we're getting more and more distracted I think as a culture we're realizing this is taking a toll on us and what we have is we have a full schedule but an empty soul we have a full schedule but an empty soul because we can't connect with depth like we used to because we're constantly distracted and we go from one shallow thing to another shallow thing to another shallow thing instead of just sitting there with our thoughts and we are as a community and as a culture a lot of times we feel like we fight for independence but we are afraid of not being connected we fight for independence but we fear being alone and with our distractions I feel like we have a difficult time being present with ourselves being present with our friends and family and being present with God because we're distracted we find we have a full schedule but an empty soul I want to show you this video that kind of describes what we are enduring as a culture and the toll it's taking on us. And so this video is called The Day I Forgot My Phone. Let's play that video, Phil.
Isn't that amazing? This is our, our norm. And I find we're distracted and we find shallowness. We have a hard time being present and connecting with ourselves, with our friends, our family, and God. Because we live in an attention economy and everything is fighting for that space in your life. And so to remedy that, I want to give you a spiritual discipline to add to this toolkit that we've been giving you over this series that will really help you. And so I want us to turn to Luke 5, 15 through 16, and I, I think we can get a lesson and an insight and model ourselves after what Jesus did when he was barraged with a lot of attention. It says this, yet the news about him, Jesus, spread all the more so that crowds of people like the noise and attention came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed couple more uh, scriptures about Jesus and how he dealt with all of the barrages of attention and noise. Uh, this isn't going to be on the screen, but Mark 1.35 says this, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In Mark 3, it says, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him. Matthew 14, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Matthew 14, after Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was still there alone. And the principle here is this, Jesus often got alone, which is a wild concept to think because Jesus only lived on earth in the flesh for 33 and a half years. The first 30 years, he wasn't doing his ministry. He was just living a normal life. And so Jesus only had three and a half years of ministry. So finally, the time comes, like we talked about last week, Jesus is baptized. And then what does he do? It's his moment of ministry. It's finally his chance to save the world and bring a plan of redemption to everyone. What does he do? He goes into the desert alone for 40 days. Wow, Jesus, your time is coming. Now you're just alone by yourself. And then finally his ministry has come. He's preaching and is teaching. But then the scriptures say that he often got alone. And so Jesus thought it was super important, even though he had three and a half years only for his earthly ministry, he still found alone time with God important enough for him. My question for you today is, if alone time was important for Jesus, who is perfect, who is fully God, if he needed alone time, how much more do we need time alone? Time alone with God. There's this amazing quote by Tozer, and I, I want us to read this. Why don't we put that on the screen, Phil, by A.W. Tozer. And it says, no shortcut exists for a deeper spiritual life. To know God, we must give time to him. We must give time to him. And so I want to challenge all of you today to go away by yourself and spend some time with God. To go away by yourself and spend some time with God so you don't have a full schedule and an empty soul. But why silence and solitude? Number one, silence and solitude guards us from pride 
and bad motives. Jesus says in that scripture, hey, when you pray, go alone by yourself. When you fast, don't make it obvious. Because your father who sees what you do alone, your father who sees what you do in secret, he will be the one who rewards you. Don't do this for the applause of humans. Don't do this to impress people. And when you're alone, it's hard to have a bad motive because you're all by yourself. And I wonder, a lot of times we can get caught up in praying when there's a group around, or we fast when there's a group around, and I I believe in godly community. I mean, we did a whole series of speaking on why community is so important. But many times, our most intimate times with God are done in public. And that's not okay. If my most intimate times with my wife were done in public, I would get arrested. (laughs) Come on, somebody, I got a son. I got a son. And so many times our most intimate times with God are done in public. And we can get in these routines where we're doing things unknowingly to impress other people. You know, there there are times in my marriage, I, I love making jokes. And sometimes I will talk to Pastor Amritha here to make somebody else laugh. I know my wife does not really care about Bitcoin at all. But I'll, you know, if there's a group around with guys that I'm friends with that are into Bitcoin, I'll say, hey, Amritha, I just dropped some Bitcoin. And I'll say it really loud. Because you can't drop Bitcoin, it's a digital currency. But I know one of my buddies, they overhear that. And they're laughing. (laughs) Pradeepin, you can't drop Bitcoin. You're so funny. But then my wife will be like, you didn't say that joke for me, did you? You were talking to me to impress somebody else. You were talking to me to impress somebody else. And Jesus says, when you pray, go away by yourself. When you're fasting, don't make it obvious. Because sometimes we will do spiritual disciplines not for God, but to impress somebody else. Or we'll, we'll fast because, yes, I love losing weight. Or we fast, or yes, I feel like my mind is renewed. And those are all good things. And we've talked about spiritual breakthroughs. And that's important. But it's important that we are connecting with God, not just for our love of the blessing, but for our love of the blesser. Amen? And so we don't fast to impress other people. We don't fast to or pray to impress other people. We do it for God. He has our hearts. Amen. He has our motive. Number two, why will I encourage you to have a time alone with God in silence and solitude? Number two, because it exposes your demons. It exposes your demons. A lot of times we think of alone time as a time to recharge our batteries, a time to refresh, but many times when we have nothing to hide behind, nothing to distract us with, no, no notifications, no work, no busyness. We have nothing to hide behind. And it's scary. Here's a quote from this book um, called The Way of the Heart by Henry Nouwen. And I love this book. I highly recommend it. It's about these group of people called the Desert Fathers who are Christians that would spend like decades in silence and solitude in the desert. And they were able to impact the world in a significant way. Actually, kings and rulers would approach them in the desert because they were so wise and had so much insight with all their time spent alone with God. But in solitude, this quote by Henry Nouwen, it says this, in solitude, 
I get rid of my scaffolding. No friends to talk with, no telephone calls to make, no meetings to attend, no music to entertain, no books to distract, just me. Naked, vulnerable, weak, sinful, deprived, broken, nothing. It is this nothingness that I have to face in my solitude. A nothingness so dreadful that everything in me wants to run to my friends, my work and my distractions, so that I can forget my nothingness and make myself believe that I am worth something. Powerful quote. You know, there's this reality that when you fast, you spend alone time with God, you'll suddenly get these, these radical lusts or fantasies or visions of grandeur, or you'll get these lies attacking you like Jesus in the desert. You'll be attacked. It's not always just a time of refreshing. It's like a furnace of transformation where things are burned. It's crazy. Like, in fasting, there, I just, oh, man, this grosses me out so much. But I, I read on the internet and actually kind of grew up hearing about this, but I wasn't sure if it was a myth or not. But uh, sometimes people get tapeworms. It's a reality of life. Sometimes people get tapeworms that can grow up to 28 feet in the human body. That is gross. And so in a lot of places, when people get these tapeworms, and I wasn't sure if this was a myth or not. To get rid of the tapeworm, they'll encourage you to fast for a couple days, like go without food, and then take a, a bowl of warm milk and sugar and just hold it in front of your mouth. And the worm will just... It'll just come out of your mouth and they'll be like, mmm, warm milk and sugar. <laughs> Sorry. That is funny. All right. <laughs> Just come out of your mouth because your body has nothing to nurture the worm anymore and it sees something sweet and so it starts to come out. I asked for permission to share this because I didn't know if it was a myth or not. I actually asked my friends on Facebook, and I found out right here, uh, Debbie Block. <laughs> Debbie, can you raise your hand? <laughs> so this is Pastor Ben and Debbie Block, and we pastored together for the last five years in Michigan. Ben over here is actually my very first Christian friend. Can we give it up for the Blocks? So we've been best friends. We actually got engaged to our wives on the very same day on purpose. <laughs> so anyways, uh, Debbie grew up as a missionary in Brazil, and they would take these boats and go to very remote villages that had never heard the gospel, never seen, like, outsiders before, and Debbie, baby Debbie got a tapeworm. <laughs> and one day she was sleeping, and her dad uh, checked on the kids and saw her sleeping, and she was, like, smacking her mouth. And her dad said, ah, oh, why is Debbie sleeping with chewing gum? I'm going to take that out. That's not OK. Just smacking her lip. And then he, he looked in the mouth, uh-oh, a tapeworm. <laughs> so he grabbed it and threw it in the trash. And when she woke up, dad was like, hey, look what was in your mouth. And it was a tapeworm in there. <laughs> a little, little tapeworm, <laughs> but still gross, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so it is a true story. It can actually happen. And, Someone online said uh, they got a tapeworm out of their, their body, but it didn't come out of their mouth. Don't go there. So anyways, <laughs> as we fast for the tapeworm, <laughs> 
the, I, this is actually a spiritual truth. As, as people deny themselves out of food, this tapeworm comes out of their body. And in silence and solitude, when we have nothing to hide behind, Come back with me, guys. Stop, stop imagining the table. <laughs> it's silence and solitude. When we're alone and we don't have busyness or distraction or the barrage of noise, sometimes the worst part of ourselves, our worst insecurities, will rise up. And it's during those times we find it's not as a refreshing as we thought it would be. It's actually a furnace for transformation. And we can say, Jesus, this is what's in my mind. This is what I'm dealing with. I'm choosing to hand it over to you. And I trust you to take care of my worst. I give you my worst, Jesus, so that you can give me your best. And so I encourage you to have silence of solitude, silence and solitude so that you can get rid of these insecurities and demons in your life. Amen? Amen. So silence and solitude. Number three, it renews your mind. Uh, it renews your mind. You know, in Bellevue, there's something that's becoming pretty popular, actually, across the nation, and it's these things called sensory deprivation tanks. Have you ever heard of these things? I think there's one locally called uh, Float Bellevue. I think there's one in your apartment building, right, Carlin? Yeah, Float Bellevue. And uh, it takes away all of your senses. So you're in this tank. It's filled with tons of salt so you float. They heat it to your body temperature. They don't allow light or noise in there. And you just float. No senses. And they, they actually warn you that, hey, be careful, because in these places you might hallucinate. <laughs> because your senses try to create something out of nothing. But they also say it's going to renew your mind. You'll get rid of brain fog. It's helped lots of people get rid of addictions. Um, your body doesn't have to be tense, and so actually they promote that it gets rid of pain and aches in your body. It restores you. It renews your mind, and that's how they're making so much money in such a successful industry because people are finding the result, I believe, of silence and solitude. But a lot of times, if if we just do nothing, like I'm encouraging you, go away by yourself. You're like, Pastor Bradipin, I, I, I don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm so busy. Like, I'm, I'm a mom. I have kids at home. I have to take care of them. Or Pastor Bradipin, I, I'm a college student. I have to study. I have a full caseload. Or my work, they're making me work till midnight every day. How, how could I get alone by myself? I, I just don't have time for that. And uh, there's this quote by Martin Luther that encourages me when I have feelings like that. He says this, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. <laughs> I have so much to do that I will spend the first three hours in prayer. There's a scripture in Max, Matthew 6, 33 that says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. You know, you're busy, but I want to share that you're probably too busy not to spend alone time with God. In fact, in the scriptures, Look it up yourself. The more busy Jesus got, the more time he spent alone with God the Father. The busier he got, the more he needed God. The same with you. The busier you get, the more you need God. God, I'm so busy. What should I spend the first three hours praying? And this scripture in Matthew 6 says, if you seek first the kingdom of God, he'll take care of everything else. Let me encourage you with this. Seek God's face, and everything else will fall in place. Seek God's face, and everything else will fall in place. Do you trust God? 
Do you trust God? That's what this is all about. Do you trust God? Is he worth your time? Is he worth your attention? I think he is. And so solitude, it renews our mind, and it helps us to be all God has called us to be. Another quote by Henry Nouwen, solitude shows us the way to let our behavior be shaped not by the compulsion of the world, but by our new mind, the mind of Christ. And if this float company can tap into the principles of God's truth, how much more should we, as the people of God, we should seek God's face, and everything else will fall in place. Get alone with God. Next, why should we have silence and solitude? Because it connects you with God. You know, I want, I want to be honest. Like, Jesus in the scripture, he says, hey, when you pray, go away by yourself. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray and fast, don't make it obvious. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. And I'm encouraged by the scripture that our God sees us. He knows our heart. He will reward us. But at the same time, this scripture breaks my heart for Jesus. It breaks my heart for God. I hate that he feels like, as a people, he has to bait us with rewards. That he has to say, hey, spend time with me, and I'll reward you. Be alone with me, and I reward you. Devote your attention to me, and reward you. If I was like, hey, Amritha, spend time with me, please, and I'll give you a reward. I'll give you some candy if you spend time with me. I will. I would hate if I had to bait her with that. You know, and my, my heart's cry, and I believe our heart's cry at Kalos Church is, Lord, you are my reward. Lord, you are all the satisfaction I need. I don't need a reward to spend time with you. Lord, you are my reward. You are the desire of my heart. You have my attention. You don't have to try to coax me into spending time with you. You don't have to bait me into wanting to be alone with you. Like, God, you are worth my attention. I don't care if I'm busy with my family, busy with my work, busy with my study. God, I want you to be the priority of my heart. God, I want you to be the focus of my life. And so fasting, a lot of times, we do it to get our way. I'm going to fast for breakthrough. I'm going to fast for healing. I'm going to fast for my finances. And that's all good. And we've been preaching that. But fasting isn't about getting our way. Fasting is not a hunger strike. Fasting is a change in appetite. Okay? Fasting is not a hunger strike. God, if I fast, you have to do this for me. God, you have to make this happen. It's not a hunger strike. It's a change of appetite. It's saying, God, the things of this world are not my main focus. The legitimate pleasures of this world isn't what I get up in the morning for. Jesus, my appetite is I am hungry and I'm thirsty for you, Jesus. Jesus, you are my reward. Jesus, you are the one I long for. Jesus, you are the one I hope for. Ah, Jesus, I love you. Does anybody here have a burning heart for Jesus? You're like saying, I just want more of Jesus. Jesus, I just want all the God that I can get. I long for you. I hope for you. I am looking for you. And we live in a society that's so distracted. Is Jesus worth your attention? I mean, everything else seems to have our thoughts and our focus. What about Jesus? Fasting isn't just about us, amen? It's about us getting alone with God and spending some good time with him. Band, you guys can come up.
There's this uh, story uh, I was reading about. It's actually a real story. There's this lady by the name of, I'm going to butcher this, Marina Abramovic. Don't you hate people with difficult names? <laughs> My name is Pradeep Njima Nohar and Siva Ratnam. Nice to meet you. Mucho gusto. So her name is Marina Abramovic, and she did this uh, performance art piece in New York where she, she booked a modern museum, and what she did is, for three months, eight hours a day, she put down two chairs, and Phil, could you show that picture? So she had uh, a chair here, a chair here, sometimes a table in the middle, sometimes not. And for eight hours a day, for three months, she decided she's gonna sit in this chair and ask people to sit in the other chair, and they're gonna make eye contact for like three to five minutes at least, and just stare at each other. No noise, no talking, no distractions, just being fully present with each other. She's really insecure about doing this. Like in New York, people are so busy, the hustle and the bustle, who's gonna wanna do this? Like, nobody's gonna come to my art piece and I'm staking my reputation on this. Well, thousands of people showed up. <laughs> Thousands. There was a line outside the door for hours, and this lasted for three months. And during this time of just being fully present with people sitting across with you, just, just making eye contact, look at the emotions on these pictures of what happened to people. They began to break down and started to feel intense emotions. Look at that. Just tears and love and so many emotions and feelings. Like, what's happening here? Just staring at someone for that long brought love and connectedness to the surface. But in our, in our society, let's be honest, we miss out on moments like this all the time. It's like we don't have time to look at each other. We don't have time to spend with God. And I think we have full schedules and empty souls. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we're, we're really longing for a connection with God like this. We're really longing to feel fully present with someone. And I love technology. Pradeepin.com, check it out. I love it. But I think it is taking a toll on us, these distractions. I think it is affecting us. I think it is hurting us. And so I, I think we have a lot to learn from Jesus who spent time alone frequently. He withdrew to lonely places frequently. Will you get alone with God? Will you spend time with him? You know, you always have time for what you do first. You always have time for what you do first. Will you place God first in your life? I wanna challenge you. You know, if you're saying, man, I, I, I need this. I want to challenge you really practically to number one, pick a place, a place you're not going to be distracted, where you can spend time alone with God in silence and solitude. Number two, I want to challenge you to pick a time where you can do that. Just set a date with God. Number three, remove all distractions, no phone, no music, just you and God. Number four, set a timer so that you don't have to check your phone and wonder if time's up. Wow. Must have been two hours and you look at your phone, it's only been three minutes, wow. Set a timer. And number five, as things come out of you, the, the demons, the insecurities, the thoughts, just choose to focus on Jesus. That you'd be fully present with him. Like 
these pictures. Jesus, I'm making eye contact with you. I'm not thinking about anything else. My heart is yours. You know, Joel 2.12, it talks about how God says, return to me with prayer and fasting. Rend your heart to me. God wants your heart. God wants your heart. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Father, I, I just pray that, you know, with all our praying and fasting and our busyness and distractions, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't forget about you. Even right now, we just choose to focus on you. Lord, the emptiness of our souls, we give it to you. That longing for connection, Lord, we ask you for help. Jesus, during this 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're so thankful that we serve a God that actually wants to be with us. Why don't you just set a date with God right now? A time where you can get alone with Jesus. There's this prayer in Genesis 16:13 about a lady named Hagar, and she says this. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. She said this, you are the God who sees me. She said, I have now seen the one who sees me. I have seen the one who sees me. Did you know God sees you right now? And he loves you. He sees your busyness and your hurry, your search for meaning, your longing for depth, your longing for connection. He sees all of it. And he's looking at you with eyes of love, that you would be his masterpiece. You know, I realize not everybody here is someone following Jesus. Many of us are stuck in darkness and death and addictions and hopelessness. And we're like, God, do you even see me? Do you see what I'm going through? I just want to let you know this morning, he sees all of it. He sees you and you can trust in Jesus. He is so good and he wants to be with you. But let's be honest, many of us aren't following Jesus. Maybe we used to or maybe we never have. My hope is that you would give God your attention, and you'd surrender your whole life to him. If you're in this place and you need a fresh start, you need forgiveness, you want to connect with God, and you're saying, Pastor Pradeepan, please pray for me. I want to be connected with God. Right now, I want to pray for you, and I want to help you walk with Jesus. And if that's you in this place and you're saying, Pastor Pradeepan, pray for me. I want to receive forgiveness. I want to walk with Jesus. Pastor Pretty, you can pray for me. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to boldly lift your hands up so I can pray for you. One, two, three. Just lift your hand up so I can pray for you. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. I see four hands in this place. I love it. God sees you. Hey, why don't we pray this prayer together? especially those of you who raise your hands. 
And this isn't a magic spell, but we wrote this just so we have some words to kind of articulate what's on our hearts. And it's on the screen. So let's pray this all together at the same time. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause in this place?